small crowd tonight, but that's okay. It was kind of a late notice. Like I said, there's not a whole lot to cover tonight, but uh, um, one of the things I do want to cover is Chad signed the papers today for the lawyer, so we now officially have legal representation, which is awesome. Um, so shortly after this, uh, we should be, and I don't want to put words in Chad's mouth, but uh, should be getting our 501c3, I believe, uh, rolling shortly here. Um, so once we get that, we can be official. Um, and I know I, I know I have, and I know uh, Stymie's been working on some fundraising ideas, but if you guys have any ideas, drop them in the fundraising channel um, because obviously in order to pay for our lawyers and all the things that we want to do, uh, we're going to require some funds. So that's a big deal. Um, five zero, do you want to talk about the website a little bit and kind of paste that link and we can kind of go over that? Let's see what I can do. Uh, find that link here quick. So I know uh, 507's been working hard on the website. I know some of you gave some input earlier on in the week, but I'd like to go over it a little bit. Maybe not page by page, but general overview and kind of talk about what each page is about, 5-0, and, and uh, what the goal is and kind of where we go from here. Yeah, so it's just the start of the website. We've got lots of ideas and plenty of pages to go in the future. But this is this is the this is the start. It doesn't have a whole lot. It's got um, the main page with the mission statement and a way to join us on Discord. The other areas we're focusing on are the safety guidelines some resources and uh, trying to get people to volunteer. That's about it. So what's the general feeling about the website, guys? It's pretty awesome. I, I like the, the photographs, the way it's laid out. It's easy to read and it's easy to follow. It's very well done. I like it. Uh, there's just on the very bottom, like where it shows like the links to everything on mobile, it shows the Facebook icon, the YouTube icon and discord icon all vertical. And it just, I I'll send a photo of it in the chat, but I agree. I don't know why it's doing that, but I should okay. look into that. Okay. So you know what that, okay. See that too. It does the same thing on my phone. Okay. Just wanted to double check. Chad and uh, Squishy, I think, both want to have more more stories from people on here and make it feel a little more personal, a little less the AMA. So we're working on that next. More about us, more personal stories, more things maybe like how FPV changed people's lives, stuff like that. Absolutely. I think the more... I think I told you this already, uh, five zero. But the more heart I think we can put into it, I think the the better it's gonna be. Um, so if you guys want to submit stories, uh, kind of like a, you know, I don't know, two three paragraphs um, about you, 
or about someone you know, or if that's someone you know where FPV had a huge impact on their life, um, if they're willing to write a story that we can put up on the website, I think, you know, the more of that we have, the better. And kind of like uh, Zero was saying, not anti-AMA, but just kind of the opposite of them, where their webpage is very sterile. It's about regulations, and, you know, it, it just doesn't feel like a, a home. But if we can make the web page kind of our home base and, and make it have feeling behind it, I think it gives us a whole lot more credibility. I don't know what your guys' thoughts are. And photos. We still need more and more photos. The more photos we have to choose from, the better. The more we can show everybody, uh, that, that would be great. Do you have that uh, file again for the link to add photos? The drive you could also post them in Discord, too. Oh, okay. After the meeting, I'll, I'll post the Dropbox for the photos. Um, again, I'm driving right now, so um, I'm trying to do a couple things at once here. But um, I'll drop that uh, link here in a little bit um, so that you guys can drop your photos in there. And anything you guys drop in there, you know, we appreciate it. Um, unfortunately, we don't have you know our own photographer just yet, but maybe later on that'll come. Um, what else on the website, guys? Anything? Something you'd like to see? Something uh, you feel would make it better? Um, taking all suggestions right now. Do we have it linked up to videos yet or have a place for videos on it? That's what you mean by that. I, I can embed YouTube videos there. What are you thinking, Squishy? No, I'm just wondering later if we if we have well, we just have them wherever they're we could just place them anywhere is what you're saying. Wouldn't be a problem. I know we can't add it now, but a donate section maybe for people to donate. Yeah, absolutely. That's definitely on the list, and I think uh, Five Zero's got that page kind of just sitting there waiting. But we got to be okay. a level three first before we can yeah. start collecting funds. I think I'm seeing a um, spelling error on our story. Uh-oh, no spelling errors. <laughs> but if you do find <laughs> any, let me know. Okay, it says out story. So are we outing ourselves? Ah, oops. And Good catch, good catch. Okay. All right. That fixed right now. All right. So, uh, Squishy, do you want to cover the safety guidelines? Um, I don't think. Um, where are we at on the safety guidelines in um, cross-referencing them with the new um, regulations? So... I don't know if G36, have you been working on that or is it kind of on your plate? I have not. I've been mostly just doing interpretations. Okay. So uh, I think honestly where we're at with the safety guidelines is kind of where we were before. Uh, we kind of covered them, I don't know, a couple meetings ago, maybe a month ago. Um, and probably i know i haven't updated them to the new regulations yet but i can sit down and do that this evening um is there 
anything in there that we feel beyond just matching it with current regulations that we need to discuss. I know we've posted it a couple times to try and get some discussion going around it, but keep in mind, guys, that if we become a CBO, not if, but when we become a CBO, um, those are going to be the guidelines that we fly, fly by. So, you know, I want everybody to kind of have their input on it so that we feel that it's right and it's fair and we're representing the hobby well and, you know, staying, staying on the FA's relatively good side. We can. I do see a placeholder in them right now on number 10. We've got to avoid flying over or within XX feet of any person or people who are not directly involved with the flight operation. Yeah, I did that when I put it on the website because there was discussion in the document over that. That's the only thing I see that's really up in the air on it. Other than that, we need to just scour it to make sure it still holds true against the, the future regs. Yeah, I think right now, uh, the, the only thing off the top of my head that I can think uh, we need to truly add would be the 400-foot altitude limit. Uh, and I know speed and a couple other things are still up for debate with the FAA, so... Um, I don't know that we can fully lock those down just yet, but um, any it looks like we do have 400 feet in there now. Okay. Didn't something change with the regulations about the five miles around an airport? Uh, yes, that, that, that went away as long as you're under 400 feet. Unless, we want to change class. the wording on that a little bit. Okay. Yeah, that'll have to be updated. Yeah, I think in the regulations, it's now just Class G airspace. Um, Correct. There's no, no five-mile radius in there anymore. It looks like we have um, the pilot must inform the airport operator, air traffic control. But I think it's changed to we need to get an exception, right? Only in, other than Class G airspace, unless you're going in. Yeah. Class G airspace, you're good. If you want to do Class C, B, or I guess it's underneath E, uh, then you have to, eventually you'll have to use a length system. I think that's coming down with the new regs, but that's not official. It's just one of the things they're empowered to do. We're just interpreting what they can do. There's a lot of maze and shall and um, that don't require them to actually do it, but they probably will. The requirement to inform the airport at this point with within five miles, is it currently in effect still? That's a gray area because the feds came up with the letter saying comply with basically the, the AMA 10 safety guidelines, but they did not include notifying the airport. Okay. I think I think honestly it doesn't hurt to leave it in here for now. I mean if people notify the air traffic it's not going to hurt anything, right? It's safer. Yeah. Especially if it's I, a gray area. I think we can leave it until we actually have specific wording um on it later, especially with that automated system.
So in response to what Gravy is saying in the chat, where he's saying I wouldn't put rules in there that aren't in the law, I think we do have to sort of make recommendations that are based on the laws, but maybe a little bit more specific. The guidelines, I would say, that we're really these. I mean, say in effect, these do you know become a law or a rule? Really, if if you're caught flying outside them, I guess they would become a rule in some way. But they really are just a guideline, and what they should reflect is our expertise as FPV pilots, not necessarily our interpretation of the law. Because the law is is saying the FAA has to come up with more guidelines. So they're saying they don't know everything in those laws, so we need to help them make them better. Correct. That's kind of where we can add our value is by actually adding guidelines or best practices that go above and beyond written law. And we have to be careful with that, um, like what AMA has for operating within their CBO. If they put something in there that's more restrictive than what the FAA is specifically asking, in a in a sense, it becomes law because we have to abide by the guideline. Correct. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is is it does indirectly become that? But we can have we can have uh, documents for that encapsulate best practices, such as our um, pre-flight checklists yes. or other items. Yes, that'd be great. Whereas this, we want to specifically write it to possibly catch some of those um, exemptions. You know, like if we want to divide between certain competency of pilots or something or identify certain things or definitions that could be used in exceptions later, that would be a good idea. But no, I'm, I actually agree that we shouldn't add any guidelines that go above and beyond, or at least restrict the freedom above and beyond the, the regulations. Yeah, I wouldn't either. Um, I think, you know, as long as we're portraying the, the essence of safe and, um, you know, I think adding in our checklists and, and the, the pre-flights and, and whatnot, I think will be set up for a really good standard right there. So I guess this is a little bit beyond the interpretation. Now we, we kind of just need to scour through our personal, whatever our guidelines here and make sure that um, they line up with the regulations and then we covered all the bases. And then if there is anything extra, we kind of have to weigh its value and, and is it useful? All right, guys. So let's let's beg the question here. Let's look at what we currently have, and you know, ignoring, you know, blending in current regulation because we know we need to do that. And there's at least, you know, there may be a couple of things that need to get added here. Is there anything that you feel is too restrictive? The main one for me is flying within. Uh, there was a proposal for the hundred feet. Okay, so we're looking at number 10. So let's discuss yes. that. Okay, so okay. let's let's discuss that one real quick. So I know that oh, Did we lose you? 
this has been a debate, I think, in the commercial operations uh, recently as well. Uh, most importantly, flying over roads, busy roads, public roads. All those um, different parts of the quad that can and that can come off, or even a wing. How how far does that bounce across the ground? Um, mm -hmm. How how you know? Let let's keep in mind those. You know, beyond just dropping a quad on a person, you know, the the dangers of you know a tumbling quad or a a, a fixed wing that's sliding across the ground. Um, what do you think would be a fair margin of safety there? I would use the AMA standard of 25 feet and not even differentiate in the weight classes where you can go down to 10 if you're under 4.4 pounds. Reason being is we shouldn't be ripping directly at a crowd at speed when you're headed towards something, you need to have enough buffer in front of you for a total failure so that you can do fail safe and fall out of the sky. And that can be 100 feet. So that means, like common sense, if you're out on a fixed wing flight line and you got some guy with a fixed wing blasting right at the 90 degrees from the runway or to the runway to the right at the pilot stations, I mean, they do do it, but they're usually slower and in a turn so they're not threatening the crowd or the spectators behind the pilots so they don't come at full speed directly toward a flight station so i think that's why they're able to get away with the 25 feet so as long as they're down the runway or paralleling the crowd at 25 feet or or and that's a minimum at full speed that that can be perfectly safe in in well, all of these scenarios you're citing, you're talking about a flight line that may involve people, but all involved into in the operations, right? Uh, correct, but in most flying fields, the general public can get in within fifteen or twenty feet of the pilot stations as well. So that's kind of a combo. So, are you proposing the hundred feet for like a public park type situation? Well, yeah. If I was if I was say flying in an open area or a field adjacent to a public road, how how um, close to the road would I feel comfortable getting with a say an FPV? I fly FPV wings predominantly, and when they okay. they glide, so when I, if I lose complete power or or if I lose uh, control or video or anything and cut my losses, my plane can usually glide pretty far. It's not it doesn't weigh a lot, but if I'm say two or 300 feet away from a major highway and I lose everything, it, there's a good chance I can get all the way over there to that highway. Oh yeah. I've seen failures go probably half a mile. Yeah. See, and that's, and that's what I'm thinking. So when, when we're talking about say wild, you know, wilderness FPV, um, a, a non-spotted pilot out there trying to be safe, like what in his location choice, right? Like what, how, what kind of safe buffer zone is he going to want around him from public roads, infrastructure and people and property not involved in the operations at all? Now we might be able to phrase it something like instead of a specific value, something suitable for the situation, like your speed and your altitude. Which I'll makes to tons of sense because that's actually what we do, right? In in, in yeah, yeah, true. So I would go with that, but we'd have to word it very very carefully. When you're talking about a flight line and where people are involved, 
a flying field or a, a drone racing event where we've put up nets right up to yeah, feet tall that, and that's pretty clear yeah so i mean we could even identify these things that's a risk mit mitigation procedure say like 35 feet from the flight line you know unless you have up nets and then you know you could fly right on the other side of them whatever right but i'm i guess i'm i'm thinking of it more from the perspective of of the freestyle free pilot right who wants to go where he wants to go what would right. guide him in finding a safe location where he can rip so do we want to break this down on a scenario basis or do we want to um like okay so we can break it down for a flight line or an event let's say for like rampage where there's you know probably a, a flight line ish set up or do we want to break it down for when flying you know in parks or you know all these different situations or do we want to just kind of generalize it and like right now it's very general I, I hear two environments pr predominantly is a place where people go where they expect things to be flying right so they're all anybody who shows up and parks at an ama club is expecting things to be flying around them so okay that's that's different from a public park where people don't expect that or, or where people live and things like that so I think that there's a, probably a good line we could draw right there between those two. Okay. Yeah, let's do both. Let's do a fixed whatever value we come up with and maybe put the parameters like the nets and what have you. And then also say, in spite of this, or in addition to this, you must be responsibly flying your, uh, I guess we're calling them UASs now. <laughs> Model uh, aircraft. You're, you're flying your aircraft in a responsible manner that will not threaten um, the public or the spectators. Spectators, you know, general sort of public. Effect. Yeah, yeah. Small animals. <laughs> <laughs> Cars. <laughs> okay. I think that's a good starting point for that one. All right. I'll come up with a general paragraph for that. Okay. Something I write um... better than I can speak it. There you go. <laughs> Some, something noting um, existing guidelines it, on this on this particular subject, it'd be nice to get a good cross section of other airspace users on what they how they word this, and then that might help guide us. Yes. Particularly guys like that do like mountain speed flying, right? That fly right next to the mountains and shit with their souls on board. Like what? Well, how did they word this? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Are there any other of besides number 10? Are there any other of these that feel too restrictive or do we, are there any that feel that they I don't want to use not restrictive enough, but don't feel safe enough? I got a quick question just hypothetically on this whole thing. And if we want to possibly include the definitions or not, but beyond line of sight, beyond line of sight, I think is, is kind of a gray definition and it sort of depends on who you ask sometimes on what it means. Um, if you can see the aircraft, if it's within a certain number of feet, if it's, if you're looking at it and, and all of this crap. So do we want to get into that and possibly come up with our own definition that is written in stone that everyone is on the same page when they use these terms from our perspective and not and kind of just like cut the confusion out i i think that's a, a relatively good idea i think you know 
I think you're right. I think it means different things to different people. But, and I think if we're going to be the subject matter experts on, say, FPV, um, we definitely need to have a set in stone definition for not only that, but maybe some other stuff as well. Yeah, these terms that we're going to be using in the safety guidelines and elsewhere, I think that when we find a term that's defined by different demographics, different ways, we need to define it for ourselves. So let's hash that out. What does beyond visual line of sight mean to you guys? I'm curious how many different answers we could we could muster. I'm, I am. Um... Yeah, we could definitely do that, RPG. Like, what do you guys think when you hear beyond visual lines? Like, how do you personally define it? Like, if somebody says, you know, um, beyond visual line of sight or within visual line of sight, where, what, what is that line? You know, my, my, my oh, go ahead, five zero. I was just going to say, I would include everything from like flying on the other side of a tree or flying something behind a billboard. Like, you can't see it anymore. It's out of your sight. But other people might think I mean, it's I'd... like a mile away is a beyond visual line of sight. I think I think part of my definition is it might be a little more restrictive than other people, but um, you know if I'm going to be flying line of sight and I'm not flying FPV, if I can no longer tell what the orientation of the craft is, then it's beyond my visual line of sight. Um, and not to add, I mean, not just to add, you know, going behind a mountain or going behind a billboard or anything, but. You know, for a, a quad, for example, you know, if I can't tell which is forwards, which is backwards, and I can't get it back safely because I can't see the orientation, then it's beyond my line of sight. So what you're, so what you just defined to me would be if I can't control it visually by looking at it and safely bring it back here, then it's beyond my visual line of sight. Yeah. So even if I can see it, if I, if it's out of control, then it's out of control. Yeah. I mean, even even if you can see it, I mean, I can see a speck of dust in the air or if my quads, you know, 5000 feet away and I can still see a dot. Yeah, technically I can see it, but can I get it back safely without my goggles? Anyone else? Uh, for beyond visual line of sight, I usually think of as long as I'd be able to see it. I just but uh, as long as I'd be able to see it and in a straight line and I, I think that if you're able to use FPV as long as you can see it in a straight line without any interference anyone else floor is open I really like the um, reference to the ability to reference orientation and control the aircraft yeah, that's, I mean, that is, that's a very important aspect of it, right? It's something that's not brought up. It's and, people and that gives you a lot of wiggle room. Say if you've got good eyesight and you have a large quad, you might be able to go half a mile or more um, under ideal conditions. But then again, I've been at 200 feet looking into the sun and lost a 210 size quad just because I didn't have goggles on. And all I could see was a little silhouette and it didn't work. The the FAA defines these terms already, correct? Like legally? That it, yes. Yes, they do. Where's, where's that at? Can we get a look at that? All right. Yeah, I assume we would have to go with that because it's written into the regulations. 
we don't necessarily have to go with everything the FAA has said. We have we have an opportunity here to speak for ourselves and possibly let get their ear. So this is our chance to actually do that. And I think, you know, even beyond that, you know, they may define it a certain way and they may define it as just being able to see it. Or, you know, the general understanding is um, that, you know, 1500 meters is within visual range. Anything, you know, below 1500 meters is within visual range. But if we're saying, you know, it's beyond line of sight, if you cannot control it, kind of like what Stymie's saying is beyond visual control, um, then we're setting ourselves up to, you know, even look better in terms of providing safety guidelines for our community. I'll tell you my own personal belief is that an FPV pilot um, strives to fly the aircraft. I fly from a monitor, if all of you don't know, but I fly from a monitor and I fly fixed wing. And a lot of people may look at that and be like, oh, he's flying line of sight half the time, whatever. You just look at the monitor every now and then when you want to shoot a gap. And that's not that that could be further from the truth. Like I launch the wing and I get under the hood and I have more situal situational awareness as an FPV pilot looking at the monitor than I do looking at the airplane. That's just that's just what FPV pilots trained to do. And then I land, I may, I ensure that I've I land FPV as well. Um, but in my personal belief, as soon as I get uh, under that hood and I'm looking at the monitor, I pull the goggles down like you guys do. I kind of consider that as beyond visual line of sight because the uh, controller, the primary control control brain of the aircraft is you remaining situa situationally aware of it through a new means, uh, meaning that line of sight no longer matters. So uh, if we need to talk about it, I think we may need to talk about it in um, like matters of distance and in different ways other than the old you know fashioned way of of wording things we might we might need to come up with new definitions because i personally feel that all fpv pilots whenever flying fpv are always beyond visual line of sight even if they're flying right behind their head right like two feet it's just mm -hmm. me personally because like that's sort of the whole point of it right that is correct i think part 107 has a great definition of what the faa considers line of sight it's like, uh, yes, you can fly with a monitor as long as you have unimpeded vision with your bare vision or bare eyeball um, between you and the craft. Exactly. Uh, and see, this is where I would look at that sentence right there as an FPV pilot and be like, whoever wrote that has never really trained to be a good FPV pilot. Because this is the last <laughs> thing you ever want to do is look at your aircraft once you gain situational awareness of it through FPV. Yeah, I agree. If nothing else, just setting up the photography that you're about to work. Exactly. And, th and that's kind of the reason I bring this up is this is a big this is a big point where we can bring a new perspective to this and we can write them from our perspective. OK. So I think, you know, and I'm not going to speak for everybody, but with the general consensus consensus amongst the people in the chat, um, feel that beyond visual control would be a kind of good starting point to create a, a safety guideline for that. It would definitely start the conversation. My idea is a little bit more radical, but it would include writing all of the guidelines from the perspective that you are legally always flying beyond visual line of sight and wording them as such, providing that the FAA will include an exception for understanding all this. Well, I think the exception's already there. I think, 
you know, technically, uh, I mean, they've provided a, a path for FPV and, and it's now, you know, completely legal as long as you have a spotter. So, you know, I don't think writing regulations from a standpoint that you're always flying beyond line of sight would be good, bad, or otherwise. I just think it would be a different perspective. Um, I don't know. I, He's I don't kind of off know where I was going with that. At that point, I mean, this is, I mean, this is really rolled into lobbying and public relations and everything else, right? Not just writing safety guidelines, but it's, think of our safety guidelines as a political tool in that we can change its perspective in that way. Absolutely. I like the control definition, though. That definitely is what, I mean, that's what we know of line of sight piloting as, right? You retain control via line of sight. Absolutely. I and guess, I guess FPV control hasn't necessarily been defined concisely. Well, and here's the thing is, I, I'm sure most of us would agree here that, you know, while flying FPV, we all feel that we have great situational awareness. But, you know, I think kind of the, the rub comes in between, you know, the speed at which, and this is how I kind of think of it, the speed at which it takes you to turn your head to look in a different direction to the time it takes you to turn your craft into a different direction. What's the difference there? And, you know, that's different based on model. I mean, a quad will turn around in 0.5 seconds, but a wing may not, um, a fixed wing may not turn that quickly to gain situational awareness in a different area. My, my thought is here is that this also makes the spotter more relevant, right? Because spotters, they're the way that they're presented you know they're supposed to watch your aircraft i don't really understand how that's useful whatsoever when i'm personally flying the aircraft and know where it is all the time but what the spotter is always useful for is like that the other stuff right the dog running out mm -hmm. to bite you in the nuts or the angry woman calling <laughs> the cops or whatever so like spotters are still viable in my opinion and i use them personally but they're more of like ground personnel, you know, safety engineers. They're not spotters, right? No, I don't think. I mean, to me, a spotter is somebody that's going to point out the, to give me additional situational awareness. Hey, there's a person walking through the flight area at 12 o'clock, you know, or, exactly. you know, hey, there's a guy coming over that wants to talk about quads, you know, be prepared for that. Or, you know, any, anything, or, Hey, that guy's yelling at you from across the parking lot. <laughs> yeah. And see what I, and I think that if we, there's kind of a cascading effect when we clearly define FPV or we're, we're honest about what it is and what we do, then all of these things, these other things fall, like they make sense, right? We, we complain about spotters and all the old men sit there and like, but you need a spotter, like, you know? And so, but the, we're not speaking the right language, right? But if we write all this down in this way, then they may understand it. Okay. So we can definitely, I think, you know, really what we need to do is just really define everything. What a spotter is, what their, what their job role is, what, you know, what beyond visual line of sight is, what FPV is, you know, and, and really yeah. define everything that we can possibly define and kind of put it into a document just like the, and it can be attached to the safety guidelines as kind of a reference, or it can be its own FAQ, like we did the, you know, the 302 FAQ. 
Um, you know, I think just the master glossary of terms is going to help because the FAA has got all their acronyms that we're going to have to learn and translate and educate the community on as well. Yep. Right? This is These are our personal ones that we have the freedom to define or to change for our guidelines, but they're going to have tons to shove down our throats. Right. Okay. <laughs> Cool. And I think, you know, I think once we kind of get that glossary of terms, we can come back to the safety guidelines and say, okay, so applying this definition here, does this seem right? Yeah, we'll have, we'll have more solid building blocks. Okay. Because that's, I mean, the yeah, safety guidelines here is, is we're playing with objects and putting limits on them and things, but we haven't necessarily defined all the objects clearly enough. Okay. All right. So... Stymie says, let's have that by next Wednesday to vote on. Sounds fantastic. We can do that. Slave driver. <laughs> <laughs> the only one she's driving is me and G36. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Yeah, we got that. Um, all right. So, Zephyr, what's your note on battery charging? Oh, the lipo safety stuff? He's actually sort of a big one that we can have in this. Well, I mean, here's the thing is I have a lot of good articles and I don't know from a copyright standpoint if I can use them and I may even have to change the checklist a little more, but most of my articles, I mean, all my articles are written for good FPV, um, but I have a really good one on battery safety, but I don't know if I can port it over and still maintain copyright with them. So I'll have to check on that. Um. Okay, so what about lipo, Zephyr? I'm still kind of He's still just kind saying, of vague. That's what your spotter can do is charge the next lipos, which I totally vote for. Yes, definitely. <laughs> that is a responsibility. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> okay, so. Anything else that you guys feel we need to discuss tonight? Like I said, it's you know not a ton tonight, just the the details about the lawyers. Um, so we got them on lockdown. Um, Sean, I know you weren't here at the beginning, but do you have any idea where we are with five hundred one c three? Is that um, in no? We are. are um, I believe Chad is is uh, finally engaging with the lawyers officially, so that that. Their, their paperwork between each other is going through and then the next step will be the filing. Okay, cool. So, but there basically we needed like an official letter of engagement to begin using the uh, lawyer's time officially to do exactly that. Right, right, right. Oh we yeah. Stemmy got her first whoop and she got a X light, right? So she will officially be a FPV pilot. Nice. Um, so progress on insurance. I did a little research on that, but I'm still trying to sort that out. Um, I did some research on figuring out who the AMA uses for their insurance, and I have not located that. Um, and I have I'm having trouble finding people who or a company that provides insurance um, to organizations for its members. But I will continue researching that. Um, 
just because I want to have that ready to go when we win and if we decide to go down that route. Um, but I know if any of you know how the AMA's insurance works, um, generally your vehicle insurance or your homeowner's policy or any number of other policies um, that uh, those kick in first and then the AMA would be supplemental to that. And I don't know that I would like to see that. I think I would like to see, you know, if we decide to go the insurance route and you guys can chime in that ours would kick in first before it goes to that. Um, But I don't know how viable that is. So I did do, I, I didn't do any research on it, but just in my perusing and watching things go on, um, a post went by in the commercial world about the IRDA insurance. And so I was able to view some feedback on it and why it's so cheap and things that people have found in the small print and so on and so forth. But there was a name that popped up in the thread a couple of times recommended by some commercial guys as a good contact for the subject. So I'm going to send you his Facebook profile link now. This might be a guy to ask for those um, diving into the insurance researching. This guy, I don't, you know how like they, they argue about what shoe's the best and they weigh it all up against one shoe? They kept bringing up this guy and weighing everything against what he does. So I think this is probably the place to start. Awesome. Yeah, if you could put that, then we can at least have a point of contact to start uh, tapping on the shoulder here. Um, what I did get from the feedback on the IRDA is that it's not good for us. It does not cover the things that we want. And I think it primarily is um, uh, very narrowly focused on racers. Okay. Well, I think... Stymie, um, their insurance will kick in despite, even if you're not flying at an AMA field, as long as you're flying by their guidelines. Um, from what I understand, I've never had to use it, so nor do I know anybody that has used it. But I know it's kicked in not only for, um, I've heard people talking that it's kicked in not only for um, you know accidents that happen while flying, but it's also kicked in as kind of a help. Let's say somebody has a lipo fire, God forbid. It's kicked in to kind of help with that as well. Well, that's odd. <laughs> Stop yelling. Okay. Um, so if you guys aren't in this group. It's a good place to get a lot of feedback and as things go by. But it's this commercial UAS remote pilots group on Facebook. It's got like 15,000 people or something in it. Nice. Yeah. Can you post a link to that? Sweet. Thank you. Be wary that, that our enemies do live there. Yes. And same thing with the UAV legal discussion group. It, it's definitely a good group to get some information. But again, you know, be wary of some of the folks in there. Well, and aren't some of those uh, people joining our Facebook group these days? Yes. Yes, they are. In fact, uh, DGI's lawyer just uh, joined yesterday or the other day. All right. Anybody else have anything they'd like to ask, cover, you know, talk about? 
I remember earlier uh, as the discussion between the two lawyers. Which one was chosen? I believe we went with the um, the more suited to us, but slightly more expensive one, um, so that uh, we can have the better representation, the better assistance. Um, I don't think that'll be an issue going down the road, um, but um, I think that uh, it'll be better for us in the long run to have that that more dedicated assistance for anything that we do. And that'll, I mean, that'll come into play definitely with insurance or, you know, conducting business with the FAA or any number of other things. Okay. Let's see. I just thought of one other thing I wanted to cover. Crap. All right, so just to recap, guys, um, we're good on lawyer. Um, we will work on a glossary of terms, and then we will relook at the safety guidelines, and hopefully we can have all that set back up uh, for next Wednesday so we can all look at it. Um, I do, 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 do need more uh, pictures, and I know 5.0 needs more pictures that we can use for posts um, as well as for the website. And keep in mind, guys, you know, we're not trying to steal your work or anything like that. We just want to showcase the the uh, community. Also, if you want to share a story for the website or you know somebody that has an excellent story um, for, um, you know, putting on the website, uh, I think that'll definitely give us some more uh, uh, kind of clout. Um, because we all know what FPV is to each of us, but I think it means something slightly different to everybody. So, um, let's see. Let me grab the let me grab that Google Drive dump for the pictures. Let's see. FPV photos. Website totally needs more wings. I agree. I've been adding more and more every time. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, that's actually a question I had for you, Squishy. Um, the logo. Um, I'd like to do some stuff with the logo, but I need the wing and the quad separated out. Is there somebody that can do that? Is there somebody here that can do that? Uh, Chad's got the vector. Okay, so... Um, I've tried playing with it. I have the vector, um, but the the actual wing behind the the, the world there is uh, actually in three pieces. So, um, and I'm not good enough at uh, Illustrator, unfortunately, to piece it back together. So, um, but I think it would be good as you know some extra art on the web page and stuff like that for like separators and whatnot. But um also there's a t-shirt design i want to base off of it so if we can figure that out or somebody can do that for me i'd be appreciative if you could detail exactly what it is we could get it to james he could after effects he'll do what you're talking okay um oh uh that is the one thing does anybody have once we become legit does anybody have any good um fundraising ideas i 
Oh, I think that we'll have a million. What we really should work on is education as well. We're getting some inputs and we don't have any people working on that, researching it, gathering notes at all yet. Whereas I think Chad's getting probably pummeled with, you know, donation networking stuff that he's just putting on hold that we have too much of. We can't do anything about. <laughs> right. Um, I did put together a couple ideas. Let's see. To find it in all my crap here, we got a few um, other organizations that have reached out to us already on yep. education, and we don't have anybody here yet really taking the the reins to um, spearhead that subject yet. Um, I <laughs> ask people for money. There you go. Um, I know a couple ideas was just uh, on, on my side was for different swag ideas. Um, I posted them in the um, financial management post. I think it's right there. If you switch over to that channel, um, let me make sure that that document is open to editing. Uh, Cause if you guys have ideas, drop them in there. Um, I know Stymie has a bunch of ideas. Um, let's see. Here, I'm going to change it to edit. Done. Okay. So that's editable. You can drop your ideas in there. There's, I came up with a couple um, for uh, merchandising. So, like challenge coins, custom apparel, um, t shirts, battery straps, goggle straps, transmitter lanyards, membership fees. What do we, you know, thoughts on membership fees? We don't have to do that right now. Um, I did put in there crowdfunding, industry leader donations, charity auctions, um, all kinds of ideas there. So, all right. Um, I think I'm done. Sean, you got anything? No, just, uh, just the education stuff. Um, okay. We, if anybody wants to step up and dedicate some, uh, I'm not going to say some time. I'm going to say like maybe donate hours to help us. Um, we need somebody to maybe possibly start a Rolodex for education networking um, and gather what kind of resources we have available and what kind of um, needs are out there. Or if you're not that person, uh, nominate that person or try to trick them into joining and doing that. <laughs> Throw there them under the bus. We have a big bus. We can drive it over them. I wish I had the time to do it. I mean, I wish I could do everything, but we just we're there's this job is so big that we need more people to help. Absolutely. All right. Uh five zero, you got anything you need, bud? No, I think we covered everything. Okay. All right. Well, I am going to go ahead and call it unless you guys want to just stay and chat. Um, I'll stick around for a couple minutes. And uh, if you got anything you just want to talk about, fantastic. If not, we'll see you later.